Good job, guys. <laughs> A little September right there, huh? <laughs> Little Philip Bailey in the house. So. <laughs> oh, you gotta love it, amen. amen. The, we're so blessed and uh, with these wonderful, talented folks, and and uh, it's good to smile in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. It's good to have a good time. And uh, so today we uh, wrap up our series, everybody always, and and this series has been amazing because it's been challenging us and 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 ch and and changing some of our perspectives. And, and really, the, the, the biggest thing that we started to ask ourselves is, what if we just love people, even difficult people? And then we concluded that sometimes we're the difficult people. And so, so we spent time talking about loving people where you are, catching people on the bounce, not playing it safe. And we talked about looking at what's in your bucket. And this week, we talk about loving difficult people. And as we wrap this series up, it's, it's a challenge because Jesus wasn't going to be the favorite guy because of the message that he was going to share. You see, the message Jesus brought was a message that, 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 that made him a, uh, a lightning rod. Even the people that he came to defend, even the people that he came to participate with and champion didn't like the message that he had. Because it was a message that's outside of our understanding. It's a message that, that Jesus comes and he challenges us and today's message is how to love difficult people and it comes straight from the mouth of Jesus. Now, I got to tell you that the religious, the social, the political arenas we live in today will poo-poo this message right away. Right away. No, we're not doing that. I don't want to know what God's Word says. I don't know what Jesus says. That doesn't work. It worked for Jesus. Well, as a matter of fact, they viewed Jesus as weak and controversial because of his position. You see, the environment that we live today, people will, will poo-poo this because they think that Jesus can't understand. They don't think that Jesus had it rough. They don't understand that Jesus was living in a country that was occupied by the enemy. Jesus was living in a country that was controlled by the religious. Everywhere Jesus turned, there were enemies. Everywhere. But we, we act like He doesn't understand that. And the truth of the matter is, we truly do, He truly does understand. As a matter of fact, He had it far worse than we do. So as we set this up today, Jesus is talking about loving difficult people, loving your enemies. Everybody includes our enemies. But we don't like that message because that, that'll make us feel good. We want to feel justified in our hate, in our anger. There's something as righteous anger, but there's also something as unrighteous anger and entitled anger. So people, Jesus said, you've heard this, but I say this. And I got to tell you, God did not say it would be easy. He just said it would work. It ain't easy. But he did say it would work. 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48 says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, now notice that Jesus says something very unique in that very first sentence. He said, notice you have heard it said, right? You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, that's not what God said. No, 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 no. That's what the religious had turned it into. That's what the self-righteous had turned it into. And Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, you got to imagine right there in the middle of this, Jesus is standing at the Sermon on the Mount and there are Roman guards keeping watch to make sure he's not raising up a rebellion. There are religious people who he's turning their apple cart and they're plotting ways to murder him. And he's sharing this message, and the poor don't like the message because they're saying, no, you need to kill the Romans. And you need to run these religious people out of town because we're tired of being mistreated. So Jesus has no allies. Even the people he's champion are saying, no, we don't like your way. Does that sound familiar? Does it? Okay, I'm just checking. He says, look at what the response is. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that, everybody say, so that. So that. So that you can be sons, children of your father who's in heaven. And let me tell you how God treats your enemies. You want me to tell you how God treats your enemies? Here you go. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. That's how God treats them. And we're made in the image of God and we're supposed to do that. So Jesus says, this is what you're supposed to do. And here, here is, this is your testimony. This is your reflection. And my Father in heaven is showing you the way. For if you love, listen to what Jesus says. This is amazing. And it's just, it's logic. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you not, do not even tax collectors do the same? Jesus found the worst possible person. And at that time, it was the tax collector. And he, and he came to that and he said, and if, and if you only, and if you greet only your brothers, what more what more are you doing than others? So you greet people that are your brothers and sisters. Big deal. Even the Gentiles do that. Even the Gentiles do the same. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now you and I understand that we can't be perfect. We're being what? But you can't use that as an excuse to hate. So you see, what had happened is the religious had actually added things that weren't godly to God's word. They actually added, and that's why Jesus said, you've heard, but you ain't heard it from God. You heard it from you or somebody else. You see, they had, they had justified hating groups of people. They justified hating Samaritans. How can you love God and hate somebody else that God made? But they did. They did. 
They justified, this is how the religious, this is how the Pharisees, this is how those, those 10 laws turn into 613. They justified based upon people's behavior. And Jesus was like, no, we got to set things. Listen, I'm glad God doesn't treat me based upon my behavior. You know what I'm saying? The scary part, though, listen to me. This is what I don't want you to miss because we're in church. We're in church. I don't want you to miss this. The scary part is they knew God's expectation, but they chose another way. They knew God's expectation, but they chose another way. Because they're smarter than God. Right? Look at this. Leviticus 19, 18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord your God. That's in Leviticus 19, 18. That doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That doesn't sound like that, does it? Something got lost in translation, didn't it? Oh, maybe that was just a mistake. Well, let's see. Proverbs 24, 17 and 18 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn his anger away from him. You know why? It was God who was dealing with the enemy, not, not you. And God said, Don't you dare rejoice in that. That's, that's two. Maybe it's just it's a mistake has to surely be a mistake well let's go to first peter but in your hearts honor christ the lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason that you hope that the hope that you have is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience listen to this so that when you are slandered did it say if you're slandered it said when you're slandered listen if you're a believer Get ready for it. You try and do it God's way and people are going to talk noise about you. Those who, look it says, and when you're slandered, those who revile your, your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. They'll be put to shame by your behavior. Or you can join in their behaviors and put all to shame. And we're all shamed. You see, Jesus knows how hard it is to love difficult people. He was surrounded by his enemies, regularly, political enemies. And even one of his own followers, Judas, had the plan. And, and the truth is, he didn't believe in his divinity. Judas just thought he was going to get his enemies and he could force Jesus' hand to put the Romans and the political establishment under ruin. See, Judas had another plan, but God, his plan, it can't be thwarted by us. Jesus lived in a captive state. He was persecuted daily. There were multiple times, if you read the New Testament, there are multiple times when Jesus had to be rushed away because people tried to lay hands on him. And not in a good way. They were looking to pray for him. Yet he never stopped, listen to me, he never stopped reaching out to them. He never stopped correcting them. And he, and he shared his love for them. Did you know that you can correct people in, and, and you love them still? Did you know that? 
It's, it's just the way that Jesus did. Every time he attacked and went to talk to these Pharisees, every time he talked to them, it was in hopes that he could turn their hearts. Every time, even when he called them a brood of vipers, he was hoping they'd look in the mirror. Every time his desire was to gather them, to gather them, to gather them. Even when he said, you call yourself children of Abraham, but you're children of the devil. His intention was to shake them and turn them from their wicked ways. But they wouldn't. He never stopped. So what do we do? How, how do we do this? How, how do we really do this? How do we love even difficult people? Well, it requires us to pray. To pray for them. To pray for them. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus lived this out for himself. Please, please don't think Jesus doesn't understand your suffering. As he hung naked on the cross, beaten beyond recognition of human form, bleeding out so that you and I might have life, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then another man named Stephen, the first martyr, as they stoned him to death just simply for loving them and telling them the story of Jesus, he said, Father, don't hold this against them. Don't hold this against them. That's Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Father, forgive them. Paul lived it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, when he said, we work hard with our own hands, and when we are cursed, we bless. He said, when we're cursed, we do what? When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world right up to this moment. That's what Paul was living with. It takes great trust and faith to pray for your enemies. It ain't easy. Any one of us to say, think it's easy? <laughs> Not at all. It's a supernatural act. It's supernatural. It requires great humility. However, it does reveal great truth. It reveals great truth because you know what it does? It exposes evil. It's great when someone else comes to the conclusion that what is evil is evil. Instead of you telling them, they see it for themselves. If we're spewing so much hate as our enemies, they can't tell the difference between us and them. Between the God we serve and the God they serve, which is their own stomach. Does it mean we remain silent? Absolutely not. It has nothing to do with being silent. It has everything to do with your actions. It has everything to do with how we live. We have to trust God. A false sense of self-righteousness about knowing what's right and what's wrong puts us in a position where we become judges and in the, in, the, in, in the fray, in the struggle, we lose our own identity and we again seek to be God and cast judgment upon people. I'm better than them. I'm not as bad as them. 
They're evil. I'm good. I thank God that Jesus prays for His enemies. I once was an enemy of God. A child of wrath. Not anymore. But it wasn't His, it wasn't his hate that changed me. It was His love. It was His love. You see, Jesus stepped in. He loved me and He prayed for me. And then He gave me eternal life. It was His kindness that exposed my desperate need for Him. It was God's kindness that showed me the error of my ways. It was His kindness that made me look at what true goodness was and who I was and helped me desire, I want that and not this. I'd heard plenty of messages on how bad I was. Nobody had to tell me how bad I was. I knew how bad I was. That's why I needed God, but I didn't know I needed God because I didn't think God wanted me because I thought God hated me because of who I am. But He didn't. He loved me. While I was yet a sinner, He exposed that, that need that I had. And so what does that make me do? It makes me... It, if, if we learn any lesson from Jesus, it moves us to number two. It tells us we have to love differently than the world. We love differently than the world. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Listen, if we just love everybody in our church, which we don't. Everybody's, it's an uncomfortable laugh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> They're like that, you know? It's like <laughs> trying not, you know what I'm saying? Trying not to make eye contact with a <laughs> But if we, what, what good is that? What do we have? That's why this revival is so critical, guys. We got to get out of this place. And look, we longed for a place. We prayed for, for, for eight years to have a home, but we didn't pray for eight years to have a home so we could lock ourselves in. We prayed to be a lighthouse. We prayed so we could go and bring more people in. But we've got to go out. We got to love differently. What good is it if we just love us? We got to go love somebody else. You got to go where they don't want you to be, and then you got to step into the face of darkness and preach the good news. Those drug dealers don't want you there. Those pimps don't want you there. They don't want you there because you're going to mess their game up, but you got to go to where they are and then love them differently and invite them to have a front row seat. I pray drug dealers show up because I know God transforms drug dealers. I know He does. So I pray they get a front row seat. We love differently. What good is it if we just love us? Big whoop. And then he says, even the tax collectors do the same. Even the worst. You, you fill it in. You fill it in. Your worst enemy. Even the Republicans. Even the Democrats. Even the rich. Even the poor. Even the Muslim. Even the Buddhists. Even the atheists. You put the person you hate the most in there. And he says, even they do that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing? What more are you doing? Even the Gentiles do that. Jesus is saying, man, we got to love differently. Jesus used the scoundrels of the day as an example. You fill in the blank. 
You see, the love of Jesus calls us to love differently than the world, and it doesn't mean we have to be quiet. It just means our voice has to be loud enough and and our actions have to be loud enough that it grabs the attention of others. And then they look and say, this is right and this is wrong. This is good and this is not. But if we are behaving and acting the exact same way, they can't tell the difference. It doesn't mean that we have to celebrate our enemies. No. I'm not here to celebrate my enemies. It means I love them. I choose to pray for them and love them differently. And I choose love over hate. And anybody who has the courage or audacity to tell me Jesus doesn't know what I'm talking about has misread the Bible and misread history and totally understands nothing about Jesus' day and time. To say he can't identify with me. The last thing. We need to reflect the image and values of our Heavenly Father. Man, I love these verses. It says, so that you, so you may be sons, children of your Father who's in heaven. For He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Boy, I thank God that His rain fell on me. When I didn't deserve it. Because you know I didn't deserve it. But He stepped in. And all I want to do is, is the same, man. So, so what? They call me the grace guy. I don't care. Call me the grace guy. Oh, you just love everybody. Yep. Sorry, Jesus did too. I'm the grace guy. You forgive. Oh, you forgive everybody. Yep. You won't fight with people who want to fight. Nope. You can't. You leave yourself in those positions. You reflect the image and values of God. Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God in everything. Everybody say, in everything. In everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as beloved sons and daughters. And continue to walk surrendered. Everybody say, surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For He surrendered His life as a sacrifice for us. In his, his great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. Have you ever had anybody tell you that the moon is shining so bright tonight? It's actually not right. The moon is reflecting tonight because the, the moon, it has no light in itself. It only reflects the sun. And listen, for you and I, Our job is to reflect the S-O-N, the sun. It means to love difficult. Man, I don't know if you guys read the Everybody Always book. If you didn't, there's a story from Bob Goff about the witch doctor and, and, and and a little boy that Bob adopted named Charlie. And what this witch doctor did to this little boy is just unspeakable. And... God did a miracle in this witch doctor's life and in Bob Goff's life. And this little boy, if you haven't read it, I'm not even going to tell you. I'll make you go get it. But you will not believe it. You'll be angry. 
You'll be, you'll be disgusted. But when you see what God does, you'll be amazed at His grace. And the first thing you'll say is the same thing I said. I couldn't do that. But God. But God. But God. Unbelievable. That's a modern day example of God's love. Of loving our enemies. So the question for you and I is, what about you and what about me? What about us today? Are we reflecting the image of God in our values, in our Heavenly Father? Are we loving those just who love us? In our quest for justice, have we made it just about us? Those are questions that only you can answer. Like I said, man, I thank God that He didn't treat me the way that I treated my enemies. While I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. While I was still an enemy of Christ, He prayed for me and He forgave me. And you know what the cross of Christ is? It's it's where the justice of God met the grace of God and the rightful wrath of God was satisfied in Christ Jesus. And objects of wrath become objects of affection. That's the truth. It's not easy, guys. But we can do it. And are we going to be perfect at it? (laughs) Not on your best day. But thanks be to God that we can get it right. Thanks be to God for His forgiveness. God's going to set all things right. And in the process, we're going to continue to point people to Him. And as we point people to Him, when they slander us, not if they, but when they slander us, they'll be put to shame. As we go to this revival, as we go to this training on Saturday, as we go into the streets, it's not going to be easy. You think the enemy of our soul is going to just let us come quietly into their neighborhoods? Where the strongholds, Pastor Murphy talked about it yesterday, when he said where there are strongholds, demonic strongholds, you think they're just going to let us waltz in there, dance around and sing about Jesus? We're going to have to fight. It ain't going to be easy. And there's going to be distractions. And the enemy's even going to try and get us after each other because when it's hot, it's hot. And when you're hangry, you're hangry. You put hot and hangry together and we got a whole lot of problems. So we're going to have to keep ourselves in check. And my prayer is that we have less, less enemies than friends by the time we're done. But more importantly, I pray that every single person that walks toward those tents knows they're welcome. No matter what they look like, smell like, act like, I don't care if they make their way to that tent, God's drawing them. And we better, we better treat them with love. I don't care. They need to be loved.
and we'll change the world. But the first thing we have to do is if you're an enemy of God today, and some people say, oh, I'm not an enemy of God. The truth of the matter is, Jesus said it best when he said, you can only serve one. A house divided against itself cannot stand. You, can only, you are going to love one and hate the other. You're going to love one and despise the other. So today that we can make it right between us and God. That's what, I love. That's what Jesus did for me. And then, then, then I could, because listen, the love, that love for my enemy was not in me until God allowed me to reflect his love. And every once in a while, there's still an eclipse. You know what I'm saying? If we're, just, we're allowed to be honest in the church, right? Every once in a while, you know, and Jesus has to be like, let me <laughs> come back. But that's what I love about my relationship with God. It's not, it's, it's not perfect. It's, we're working on it. And I love you and you love me and we love each other. And if people say, oh, yeah, but you got, yeah, man, but we love each other. Jesus loves us. There's room for one more. I want to give you a chance to just step into a right relationship with God and do the impossible. God makes what is impossible with man possible. And then all we got to do is put one foot in front of the other. I believe our city's never going to be the same, church. I really believe that. I believe it. But I believe it only happens when true believers, when true believers live like, look like, and act like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day and this opportunity we have to be here. And God, I just thank you that you love us. I thank you that you loved us even while we were enemies. And God, I pray for those who are in the room today that need help with that. I know I do. I'm just, I'm, God, you know me better than anybody. And you know I need help. So I ask you to help all of us to love. Help us to love the way you preached in Matthew chapter 5, God. We need that. And God, for those who are here that... that that need you and need a relationship with you and want to go from enemy of God to adopted by God, child of God. Your word says that anybody who hears your message, believes it and receives it, you give us the right to be called children of God. No longer enemies, but objects of affection. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I need Jesus in my life more than my next breath. And the, the Jesus you just preached about, that's the Jesus I need. The Jesus who's kind and loving and merciful and good. And I want him in my life. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up high in the air? Yes, thank you. That's the Jesus I want. Yes, that's the one I want. Yes, 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 thank you. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to pray this simple prayer. And prayer is literally just talking to God. We just simply say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I trust you. And Jesus, I give you my life. I receive forgiveness. I receive hope. I receive new life. And I know I'm not going to be perfect, but Holy Spirit, I know you're perfecting me. And I'm going to walk daily with you.
I won't give up on you and I won't give up on me because you won't give up on me. So my hope is in you and my trust is in you. It's in Christ's name and the church of Jesus Christ said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap today because he's an amazing God.